Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, phone, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with Mary Catherine Carmichael from the Leadership Bloomington Program. Leadership Bloomington Monroe County. Thank you program. for saying the whole thing. Yeah. I appreciate that. Today we're going to talk about uh, the plans for a comprehensive land use plan for Monroe County. And we have uh, two great guests joining us in the studio today. Monroe County Commissioner and Plan Commission member Mark Stoops is here with us. And Jim Murphy, the president of CFC Properties, and I dare say a critic of the plan, is here with us as well. So we'll have a, a good, well-rounded discussion, I'm sure. You can join us by uh, calling the program at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. And you can go to our website, wfiu.org slash noon edition and join the conversation there. Mark, thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having me in. Really appreciate it. And Jim, thanks for coming back. You've been here on a few topics over yes, the years. Have. Thank you for having me. Uh, you know, this is these guys are such great guests to have. I feel so lucky to have them both in the studio with us today because um, we talked a little bit before the show about history, and I think that these guys both have so much history of, of Bloomington and, and Monroe County in their heads that uh, this is going to be a, a great program today. So. Yeah, and, and we'll be talking about the future, but also, you know, of course, the past informs the future. So, mm-hmm. Mark, let, let's start with you because you're you, you are uh, one of the people that's been really involved in writing this comprehensive plan. Right. So, sort of take us back to you know why why a plan you know why now and and then you can get into some of the main principles and what you're trying to do with it. Uh, the plan uh, there was a plan that was passed in 1997, and that was a comprehensive plan. And then, technically, every 10 years we should have a new one. We should rewrite the plan and uh, incorporate what we've learned over that period of time. It's been, so now we're looking at 13, 14 years, mm-hmm. uh, and hopefully we'll have that plan passed this year. So it's it's been um, a long time since the last one passed. And we've also been able to learn from that plan some of the problems uh, that are associated with the language we had in the plan, or maybe there were some um, uh, 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 restrictions, say, that didn't go far enough. Mm-hmm. And maybe there were some areas that that land was too restricted. And so we've been able to take that information over this time, uh, watch how the county has developed, and adjust this plan to meet those needs. Mm-hmm. Now, there... Oh, go ahead. No, I just wondered if there were any changes at the state level that have uh, are going to have an impact on this, on the changes that you need to make for the upcoming comprehensive plan. Uh, no, I haven't really, um, I haven't really seen any changes. I whether there's any in the works right now. That's hard to say. Yeah. There are a lot of interesting bills coming through this Surely. legislature. Yeah. <laughs> I know. You know. There's one thing that I think both of you would would agree on, which is that to create a comprehensive plan is a very complex process, and it's a, it's a difficult task to do. You, Mark, I think I think you and and John and uh, Richard. Two other people who have worked hard, Richard Martin and, and John Irvin, Irvin, that have worked hard on this plan, have some principles in mind. So, what are the, what are the principles or the guiding principles that you have for this plan? Well, I, uh, what I've what I've found from public discussion and uh, uh, questionnaires we've had, focus groups, 
uh, is that the public really is interested in, uh, one, preserving the rural character of Monroe County. Uh, they see that urban sprawl is, is quickly taking over the rural fringe of the county and, and, uh, and really don't know what to do about it. They see it as a problem, but they don't necessarily know uh, what can be done. And the other is environmental protection. Uh, with all of that higher density development out in the county, it's affecting things like our uh, groundwater quality and, and, and surface water quality, as well as uh, damage to forest systems, uh, impacts on agricultural land. Uh, so rather than uh, try to maintain some type of agricultural base, we're turning it into subdivisions, homes, and living areas. Whereas uh, a problem associated with that is there's um, the area just outside of the city of Bloomington and Ellettsville is is seen kind of a, a not a real high-density development, kind of a medium-density development, which is causing it to spread out farther. Mm. Uh, and problems associated with that are we simply can't afford as a county to provide services to uh, – residential development and commercial development that spreads farther out into the county. From a historical perspective, is that the old two-mile fringe? The old two-mile fringe plus, okay. plus some. Now, Jim, you uh, have been very involved in this process for you know, several months, if not years. Uh, it's been a long process. And you have some criticisms of the plan you, you have articulated. Could you share those? Sure, absolutely. But, but first, I would like to comment on the work that's been done by the plan commission. Mm-hmm. Uh, they put many, many, many hours in. I've been to a number of those meetings, both the public meetings and the work session meetings, so I, I know what they've done to what I have seen firsthand. Uh, and and there's some things in the plan that, that I think are worth keeping. Uh, Mark mentioned the things that, in terms of the environment, and, and we have vulnerable lands, which is a, an area that's um, described in here as vulnerable areas of land that they want to preserve. And we all want to preserve the environment. There's no question about that. You know, what, what I find interesting, though, is today, right now as we're saying here today, there are more forested acres in Monroe County than there are people. I think that we've been pretty good stewards of the land over the past several years, particularly since this plan has uh, been in effect. Also, our water quality, I mean, there was a test done at Lake Monroe um, recently. It's done every year, actually. And it's a reflection test where they go there the same time every year, same time of day, and they look at this device to see how far they can see in Lake Monroe, and it's actually improving. And that tells you that there's less algae and there's less particulates in the water. So I think that we're doing a pretty good job of being stewards of the land today. Mm-hmm. And we want to preserve the land as well. However, where I think this plan fails is that, one, is it's way too restrictive. When you read this plan... It talks about prohibit this, do not allow this, or do not allow that, rather than being more progressive and saying we can do these and we want these types of uses. As Mark said, they want to grow more in the urbanized area around Bloomington, and that's about 22,000 acres. I'm curious if Mark or the Planning Commission knows how many acres are available to develop for job growth and new houses in that urbanized area because that's where it's being forced because the, the rural area is basically being there I say shut down because there's just heavy restrictions on what one can and cannot do in the rural areas. And and I want to really focus on job opportunities for the future and current Monroe County citizens. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very, very important. Now Mark, you know, in, in the main principles of the plan when you were articulating you didn't mention, you know, job growth or economic development growth. How does that factor in? Uh we found that that by improving the quality of life we 
we create a, an atmosphere that business wants to uh, partake in. So Bloomington and Monroe County are one of the rated as one of the the best places for job growth and, and job attraction in the country. Uh, not and not just in the top hundred, you know, in the top ten, top twenty. And the reason for that is that we we preserve uh, our environmental environmentally sensitive lands. We we focus on parks. Uh, we focus on services. We focus on schools. Um, when in uh, the urbanizing area of Monroe County, there is a lot of land available for industrial and business use. Um, a lot of tracks that are still available in TIF areas, which are areas that the county has invested infrastructure money in, uh, that haven't over the past 20 years been utilized fully. Uh, in some TIF areas, we have a total of half of the land available still after 15 or 20 years. And we have other large TIF areas that have a lot of land available as well that are new and, mm-hmm. and not utilized at all. Um, so the, there is land available for business to grow. And and Bloomington and Monroe County will grow. We, we really can't avoid that. Um, you know, with the population growing to, I don't know, 300 million, maybe 350 by the time, you know, 2030, 2040 comes around, uh, we, we can expect that there will be pressure uh, on the county to expand. And uh, what we have to do is focus that growth into an area that we can provide infrastructure. Okay, I want to follow up with Jim on two things that you said. One is, I mean, Jim had said, you know, how much of the 22,000 acres is available. You say a lot, but you didn't put a number on it. Right. And, um, Jim, I think you might disagree with that. The second point is, um, you know, Mark, uh, you sort of sound like Mayor Cruzan, too, when he talks about, you know, creating uh, a community. The quality of life is going to lead to economic development. Jim is a person who's involved in economic development and bringing jobs. So your reaction to that as a strategy? Well, again, in terms of the infrastructure that's being put in place or is in place is where growth will naturally occur. When you look at the urbanized area and you overlay where the sanitary sewer is located and the proposed sanitary sewer is located, and on top of that, you overlay the layers that are undevelopable in terms of the comprehensive land use plan says that you would be prohibited from developing in these areas, these vulnerable land areas, that land area is reduced dramatically. So when one looks at the map in the urbanized areas, it appears that there's a lot of land out there that's available for new jobs, new job growth, and expansion because we want to expand those businesses that are successful in Monroe County. However, where will they expand if the sewer is not available? And there, there's some available in North Park, mm-hmm. and there's also some available in the urbanized area, but it's not as great as one might think. As a matter of fact, it's very minimal. Mm-hmm. And about the uh, the overall strategy, when I asked Mark about economic development strategy, and he talked about quality of life, I mean, how does that play with you in terms of you know, you're, you're a person that is in the business of bringing jobs to? Well, absolutely, quality of life, life is up the utmost importance. We all want the highest quality of life that we can obtain. And, and I believe that doing a number of things will encourage higher and better quality of life, jobs being one of those. We need to provide an opportunity for our students. Again, there's some almost 15,000 students, K through 12, in, in Monroe County today. That's public and private schools. Where would those kids get a job? 
or will they have to leave Monroe County to get a job? And, and I don't think it's a bad thing to provide them a good paying job in their home county where they can stay and raise a family. And yeah. quality of life is a part of that. And those jobs also provide income and income tax. And, and this past year, as, as Mark is well aware of, the county income budget was very, very low. I believe it was about $1.3 million short. Again, providing opportunity for the citizens of Monroe County, but also through that, it provides budgetary means for the county as well. I always I get a kick out of this this quality of life topic, though, because, uh, you know, and I've been involved in economic development and other things over the years, and we've never as a community decided on definitions of terms, quality of life being one of them. I remember 15 years ago being with Lloyd Alcott somewhere talking about I loved Lloyd mm-hmm. Alcott, still do, but, but, you know, his definition at that time of quality of life was very different from my definition as a young professional. We were in two very different places in our lives, and I think that uh, I get very concerned when I hear these phrases bandied about because we as a community haven't defined those phrases, and so I think that is the source of some of our uh, conflict. We, we're not necessarily talking about the same things. Well, let's uh, first of all, let's let me be clear. Um, expanding residential development is not a job growth strategy. It's not going to. It's not an economic development strategy. So when we talk about concerns in the rural area. Um, I guess we have to be specific that that now Jim may be talking about the urbanizing area around Bloomington. Um, and, and one other thing with residential capacity, because we, we overbuild and overdevelop so much in, in the 90s and the early 2000s, we have a capacity of uh, more than 3,000 lots that are available to build on. So that's – we estimate that 3,000 lots will carry our capacity for the next 20, 30 years. So we have the capacity there. Uh, when we talk about uh, uh, expanding um, business infrastructure and industrial areas in the urbanizing area, that's exactly what we propose. Um, and that would be everything from redeveloping these large brownfield tracks we have to, to actually creating infrastructure to areas that can better serve industrial growth. Um, and we have capacity now. And I'll, as I'll say again, we have that capacity for job growth. Um, and when we talk about quality of life in Bloomington and Monroe County, um, are we talking about wage? Um, I remember sitting in some benchmarking analysis by Kelly School of Business and the, and the Bloomington Economic Development Corporation where they used wage as the, the, uh, the basis for quality of life. And they compared us to Muncie and Chicago. And we're thinking, if, well, that's fine. If you, if you want to create a higher wage by – creating an area that people are less likely to want to live in but will move there so that they get a higher wage, fine. That means overdevelop. Go ahead and allow the sprawl to take place. Uh, don't put necessarily requirements on business for, for their level of wage or, or what they want to do. It's more like a um, – some people would call it a free market economy, but it's completely subsidized. I think what people in Monroe County find, including all the students that Jim talked about, is that this is a place they want to live. And they want to live in it because of the environment. They want to live in it because of the cultural amenities. They want to live in it because of the very low quality of life. And I think that's another area that Monroe County and Bloomington rate very highly is, is the, the low cost uh, uh, for living just in general. We may feel that our apartments are high, but I think when you compare them nationwide, they're not. Uh, the cost of food, the cost of um, other products that we need just to live is, is low. Land 
is relatively low. Um, we're, we may be looking at it as this little piece of southern Indiana compared to some area, other areas in, in Indiana that are, are relatively poor and the land value is low. Mm-hmm. Jim, quick mm-hmm. reaction, and then we're going to get to a couple of phone calls. Well, a couple of one. things. One, and I'm not convinced that we have an adequate inventory for future homes, future uh, residents in uh, Monroe County. Second, um, the market does have some responsibility in terms of where the homes will be built, what homes will be sold, where they will be sold. In terms of the urban of this comprehensive land use plan, I do not see in the plan where it focuses as much as it does. Actually, I, I see very little focus in the room to urbanizing area. By reading what will be done in the rural area, and it states that rural will remain rural. It's very clear about that, and that's that's okay as long as that's what people want. But what that's going to do is drive the residential, more dense residential housing to the urbanized area, as well as job opportunities. But I don't exactly. see that identified. Exactly I do not see that identified in the plan. Where that twenty-two thousand plus acres? How is that going to be addressed in the plan? I mentioned earlier. Again, I'm referring to jobs. Where will those employers go, those future employers, if there's no sanitary sewer expectation in that area? Okay, let's go to the phones. Uh, We'll get back to these topics, I'm sure. But let's go to Susan first. Susan? Yes, hello. Uh, I appreciate the discussion because there's a lot of interesting points being raised, and um, I'm glad we're back on track um, for the new year. And uh, (laughs) in listening to this, it seems to me that what's happening is essentially – Mr. Stoops is describing something that is, is, to me, is important. There's a concern more about the long-term effects of our planning. I realize this is a comprehensive plan that's updated and, you know, we'll keep, it will continue to be a living document. But I do think it is very important to think about the long term. Now, um, what Mr. Murphy is talking about strikes me as more short-term um, thinking it's uh it's i'm not saying it's wrong it just seems like the concern is more about the immediate future rather than further down the road um uh i'm hearing a lot of focus on the growth paradigm from that end and um there's been a lot of the interesting literature in the last several years talking and longer talking about how the growth paradigm is not really well for one thing it's not sustainable <laughs> you, you can't grow forever you know that's why uh, certain places, like for example, Portland, Oregon, have made very careful plans limiting uh, how many people are coming in and wh- where their growth is. And I think it's important that we consider that here too. Um, I guess the other thing, there's there's so much interesting things here. I know you have more calls. Uh, the other thing I thought of is that quality of life to me is simply, you know, really how much I enjoy being somewhere. And I love this town. I came here as a student a long time ago, and I stuck around because I think it's a great place to be. And obviously, there's a lot of people that feel the same way. I've never heard anybody say, I love being here because of the mall, or I love being here because of all the sprawl on the other side of 37. Uh, what people what people generally like are the things that make it, you know, the things that make it unique. It's not about growth and sprawl. It's about a community that's uh, fairly close-knit, uh, pretty safe. There's a lot of important things that are happening in the university and the town, um, arts, culture, and most importantly to me, a lot of emphasis on local businesses, local 
food and other things. I, I hope that continues to grow. I think it's great that this is the first year that I ever remember that we have a, a farmer's market, pardon me, a farmer's market every Saturday all year now. We have a winter market going on at Harmony for several months and then the regular one uh, at City Hall. And I think, and more, so a few more, of course, now, other days. And I think that's great. So... Uh, I just wanted to say that those are things that are important to me, and I really do appreciate hearing this elaborated. Yeah. Thank you. Susan, yeah, I, I wanted to just react to that a little bit, and I'll let Jim and Mark, of course. I think one of the is- interesting issues, and this is, goes back to what Mary Catherine said about you know who defines quality of life, mm-hmm. I think we all do. I think the four of us in the room would probably agree exactly with what you've said about why we like to live here in Bloomington, but we all have – nice jobs. And also, I think there might be, I think you might be surprised at the number of people who would say, I love living in Bloomington because now I can go to Walmart on the west side. And that enhances my quality of life here. Mm-hmm. I think you might be surprised at that. But anyway, that's just a, a reaction on my part. Jim? Well, well, I've been referring to jobs. I have not said growth. I have said jobs and jobs within the urbanized area. I specifically mentioned that. Now, there are some job opportunities according to the plan. It, it does promote home-based businesses. Now, I don't know how many home-based businesses one will have. And, and I'm really curious. I don't know if Mark can answer this or not. Not everybody asking the question. He can respond if he wants. But if a farmer also is a bus driver, will he be able to have two businesses within the same home. I'm, I'm not sure. So there's questions like this that, that I'm concerned about. But back to the caller, hmm. I'm more concerned about the area within the urbanized, boomed urbanized area, and where will we be able to create jobs, not expand. It's already there. How can we bring more jobs to that area? In the rural area where the homes um, will be built eventually over time, whether it be one to four units or more, it's very stifling. And to me, it's very concerning about what that does to the property rights in the rural area. Mark? I'm not sure, I'm not sure what to address first. <laughs> me, I'm going to take these headphones off. Sure. Because um, I'm getting a feedback on it. Uh, first of all, long-term planning for growth. You know, if we don't plan for growth, we'll end up just like Greenwood, literally just like Greenwood. And that's where the pressure is because developers can make money off of tracts of land, subdividing, subdividing farther and farther out. So there is a limit to the area that we can we can develop. Um, as far as uh, quality of life, I, I think the caller addressed it very well. And I know, and I and I guess I would disagree. I don't think I'd be surprised by the number of people who think the quality of life is being able to run out to Walmart. I think I would estimate that it would be very low. Uh, I don't think Walmart or some of these shopping areas really enter into um, uh, what people consider their highest priority. Um, there are a lot of local shops, and one thing, uh, an area, a thing like Walmart does is take out a lot of the local businesses. And when local businesses earn money, that money stays in the economy uh, and, and exponentially increases. Uh, so we have to be very careful with uh, the big box stores. And, and uh, do we call those jobs when most of the people who work at Walmart, for instance, are on some type of government subsidy because their pay is so low? Their services that they need that higher living wage jobs would provide. Um, I think the school referendum did more for jobs and and local economy uh, by passing than any of the jobs, jobs, jobs rhetoric uh, that I've heard from the right uh, in this election and past elections. Um, So uh, when 
when Jim talks about the amount of land that's available um, or not identified, that land that is not identified in the comprehensive plan in the urbanizing area around Ellettsville and Bloomington, um, the fact is it's because it's it's not as specific. Uh, those those areas are not defined as specifically as the rural areas. And we were very careful in the rural, rural areas to be specific because we found that in the last comprehensive plan, when we weren't specific, there, are, there were abuses about actually how land was developed. Um, I'll give you an example. In agricultural areas, uh, land was only allowed to be subdivided to two-and-a-half-acre parcels if it was an, an accessory to an agricultural use. But what we got instead were cookie-cutter subdivisions that were all two-and-a-half-acre lots everywhere in the county. If you look at a map of the county, it's like somebody took a shotgun, and you'll see these residential developments everywhere. And that's why the rural recommendations are as they are. Um, Again, there is a hard line suggested between the urbanizing area um, and the rural area, because if we don't have a hard line, then we get leapfrog development. You'll get a medium-density sprawl. They'll say, well, we already have sewer here. Why can't we develop this next field over and then the next field over and the next field over? And, of course, in 20, 30 years, we end up with Greenwood. Um, we're going to have to go to a break, but just a very quick clarification point. There are five urbanizing areas, is that correct, in the plan? There are the, the smaller towns yeah. like Steinsville, Harrodsburg, Smithville, um, Ellettsville, and Bloomington. Bloomington. Yeah. And, of okay. course, Bloomington and Ellettsville kind of form this blob in the in the center. Right. Ed, Krista, hold on. We'll get to you right after the break. We Our will. break is brief. Right. You're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville. Information at smithville.net. You can take WFIU programs with you by downloading our podcast directly to your computer, iPod, or portable player. Programs like Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, or short features like Kinsey Confidential, The Ether Game, Musical Mini Quiz, as well as Play and Opera Reviews are all available on demand. Find out more at WFIU.org. And have you heard WFIU's news features? On Fridays, the WFIU news team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting South Central Indiana. Listen at 11.33 a.m., 11.55 a.m. and 5.45 p.m. to catch that day's feature. They're also archived on our website, WFIU.org. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Salzberg, along with Mary Catherine Carmichael. Today we're having a rollicking discussion about the (laughs) the comprehensive land use plan for Monroe County. It's a very interesting uh, and complex topic, and we've got two great... uh, spokespeople in here, Mark Stoops, Monroe County Commissioner and Plan Commission member, and one of the people who is uh, very involved in writing the plan, um, explaining a lot of what's in it uh, and what isn't in it. Jim Murphy, president of CFC Properties, uh, who has also studied the plan as a a consumer, I guess, and a resident of the county, and has been a a critic of the plan. You can join us by calling 855-0811. 
or 877-285-9348. You can go to our website and join the discussion there, wfiu.org slash noon edition. Yeah, and we've had somebody uh, who's come on in live chat, and they say, I'm currently building an ecologically balanced permaculture farm in Monroe County, and I'm hindered at every step by prohibitive building codes and inflexible regulation. How can we afford to stifle this innovation, and how can we justify it? Uh, That's one of the proposals in the plan uh, to actually uh, set up incentives for that type of agriculture. And I think permaculture agriculture is probably a good example of, of what can happen in Monroe County and why it's important to preserve some uh, uh, more of these agricultural rural areas as well as expand the possibilities for home-based business. Um, it's, it's a new breed of farmer out there who doesn't need 100, 200 acres in a, in a monoculture crop. Uh, and mm-hmm. and so that's something that's that's actually targeted in the plan for uh, both incentives and regulations and and uh, availability of land and resources as well. Okay, we've got three callers, and we're going to get to them. And really, Ed, thanks a lot for your patience. You've been on a long time, Ed. Yes. Go right ahead. Uh, thanks for holding. My question is: How can we set the values of property since I own eighty acres? How am I going to resell this property, and what is my property value became with a comprehensive plan? I mean, even though there's the city sewers, Mr. Soup says, it's not the field, it's right on the property. But if it is non-negotiable as far as division of the property, how can my value of my property and what is the resale value of that property to an individual that wants to maintain 80 acres such as myself. Mark, can you respond? Well, I guess the the question is, first of all, when we're talking about developing land, and I'll be quick because this is a complicated subject, um, I know there's a lot of people who want to subdivide their land, and they think they can make more profit off of it. But the fact is, Monroe County does not make money off of taxes for uh, new residential subdivisions. Actually, it doesn't make money off of business uh, development as well. We, our tax rate is, is very limited. Any development that, that takes place is not going to bring in added revenue. The only thing it will do is cost us more money, and that will cut into existing services or current services. That's just the way it is. I know that's not the common uh, um, perception. Perception. Uh, and when we talk about land value, I, I think anybody who bought land has bought land in Monroe County has, has seen a, a large increase in the value of their land, uh, especially compared to any neighboring county, probably any county in southern Indiana or northern Indiana. Uh, and the reason for that is is whether it's IU, uh, whether it's uh, Bloomington and the attraction of Bloomington in Monroe County, um, the type of services that government provides – all of those things, you know, the fact that you get your roads plowed, um, all of those things add value to your land. And the reason that Monroe County land is at the value it is now is because of mainly because of some type of government subsidy. Well, would, um, let me just and, get to Ed's question, though. Would, it, would Because he's got 80 acres, would he then be obliged uh, or um, – um, would it be a necessity that he sell that as a package, that 80 acres? If he, when the time comes, let's say he's ready to sell his land, but does he need to sell it all in one package? No, and, and this is probably a good opportunity to talk about rural development. And, and it's not as been stated that, that there will be no development in rural areas. 
Um, it, what, will, what won't be allowed is the cookie-cutter style uh, subdivision. But what will be encouraged is taking a large lot like the gentleman has and, and allowing him to divide off as small as one-acre lots, and it's something that can fit a septic system. Um, now he'd be limited to two-and-a-half and five acres. Um, so now they can uh, – uh, there's different formulas, so there's different amounts of uh, land that can be divided and, or number of lots. Uh, but if he wanted to do 10 lots on his, on his land uh, of one, acres e- one acre each and then preserve the majority of it, that's encouraged. Um, there are the standard uh, minimum lot sizes that are available in the plan. So there's, there's three different options really for how somebody can divide their land in rural areas. Mm-hmm. And we, we did that just to make sure because the complaint was, I don't want to split off two and a half acres. I don't want to split off five or ten acres. I just want to split off an acre or two for my kids or to sell off for my investment. Mm-hmm. And we've made provision for that. Jim? Uh, I want to respond to that. First, I want to say is it's rather complicated in the plan. There's three ways to subdivide your land. And as Mark said, it's very complicated, and we don't have time to go there, but they certainly need to look at that section. Another area of concern with this is if this person owns 80 acres in the county, and it happens to be within that vulnerable area or the karst area, which, by the way, that area covers 39% of the county. The vulnerable and karst area together uh, is about 100,000 acres in the county, there's a good chance and likelihood that his land is within that area. And if it is, he is not allowed to develop or change that use, period. So his 80 acres of usable land well, might now be less than that. Mark? That's according to your plan. The, the, he's not allowed to use that land, period? No, that, that vulnerable land area. Period. The vulnerable land area. The vulnerable area. land area. That's, That's correct. correct. Thank you for correcting me. The, vu- correct. the vulnerable land area within his 80 acres is unusable. Okay. Yet he uh, still has to pay taxes on it regardless. Yes. Mm-hmm. But say, say if out of his 80 acres, 20 areas is vulnerable land, yes, that would have to be preserved. Mm-hmm. And why would that have to be preserved? Because we have, we're not in northern Indiana. We don't have just huge stretches from one side of the county where there's no drop in elevation. Uh, we have hundreds of feet of drop in, in, in that guy's 80 acres. It's probably over and over again. Um, and there's almost nowhere in the county that isn't like that. But the problem is we have karst areas and we have limestone. Uh, we don't have thick soils. So if, if water run off, runs off from this person's property, it will go directly to groundwater. It will go directly to surface water, directly to groundwater. And our water quality in this county outside of – uh, dip into Lake Monroe is very poor. There is not a stream or lake that isn't impacted, uh, severely impacted. You don't want to fish from them and eat the fish. You don't want to swim in them if you're pregnant or ever thinking about getting pregnant. You know, or why would you let your kids swim in it if you really knew what was in that water? And one of the goals of the comprehensive plan is to actually bring our water quality so that it's a fishable, swimmable water quality in the county. Ed, right, heck of a question. Oh, thanks. thanks for calling in. Thanks, Ed. We're going to have to move on. Uh, we appreciate right. your question. Thank you. I think you did a good job. Yeah, Krista's next. Krista's been holding on for a long time, too. Thanks, Krista. I guess I have a comment and a question for Mr. Stoops. I, um, unfortunately, it kind of goes back to the quality of life issue, so sorry to take you back there. But um, I grew up in this area and moved north for about 13 years and, and brought my family back within the last three or four years. And when, as, as I listened to the quality of life discussion, I think an important point was made by um, Mr. Zaltzberg that that's different for all of us. 
Um, for us, we needed to be able to find a home we could afford because we were moving from an area that had a lower cost of living. I needed a good school for my son. I needed a good job. I wanted conveniences close by to me. Those things came first. And then I was just thrilled to be back in the Bloomington community. I graduated from IU, and I love all the perks that I get from living here. So I think we need to be careful when we're talking about quality of life that we consider that that's different for everyone. Because I, I have read portions of the plan, and I honestly feel like I'm not represented in this plan. Who we are and the quality of life that we seek as a family, I don't feel is represented here. And I'm concerned that the philosophy driving the plan is a very narrow one. And so I guess my question, Mr. Stoops, is are you completely comfortable with um, the idea? How, do you feel like you have gotten feedback from all areas of the county, all walks of life, all lifestyles, all segments of people, because that's really crucial to give us a plan that we all can live with and work with. So can I ask which part of the the plan do you feel is not addressing your view of quality of life? Is it job uh, pay scale or is it um, uh, access to amenities or the schools? I'm not sure which well, thing I is missing. I see an emphasis on um, environmental concerns, which I think is, is fine, but I see a lack of concern regarding um, good jobs for the future. That's, I, I feel like that piece of the plan is lacking, and that is important to us. Okay, I, and I can understand that. Um, and just, just to address that, um, Bloomington and Monroe County are – as I said before, they're they're one of the highest rated areas for for business attraction in the country, and I think we've seen that. Um, we I guess we just don't understand how lucky we are to have the the businesses continually moving into Monroe County when they can move into anywhere else. And then the reason businesses move into Monroe County is you know we get back to the quality of life is because they'll have executives that they want to bring in, they'll have employees that they need. Um, and they, the employees they need want the amenities like the parks. They want the amenities like the good schools. They want the cultural amenities that IU, and not just IU, but also Bloomington generates. Um, they want the environmentally preserved areas and, and, uh, and, and also access to rural areas, access to forests for recreation, lakes. Um, that's what generates the jobs. So that creates the jobs that exactly, as the caller mentioned, and, and really it has been shown that that is what's going to attract businesses to Monroe County. It's not, it's not just suddenly uh, uh, saying, okay, well, we have no regulations. Businesses can come here and do what they want. Uh, it hasn't worked for Indiana. Indiana has one of the lowest business attraction rates in the country. Um, but we also seem to think that by... Uh, completely being hands-off for any business regulation is going to generate jobs. It doesn't. But Bloomington and Monroe County have generated jobs. They've generated high-paying jobs when other counties in the state haven't. And I agree uh, to evidence that the uh, Monroe County has been among the lowest in the state of the unemployment rates historically. This past year, I believe, it was second lowest in the state. And hooray for us. And that's under the current plan. The plan commission members basically threw out the current plan. 
I would have preferred, if I'd been asked, and I, w- I think others would have preferred to have taken that our, our current plan that's in effect today and look at what was working within this plan and keep it and what wasn't working and either modify it or get rid of it. But, but by having the lack of that current plan and the ability to say what was working and, and why can we not build on this, you know, that was not available to us. So and I, not that I want to go back because we've done a lot of work and effort to get to where we are with this plan. Maybe it's the right thing to do. I don't know. However, things are working pretty good the way it is. I still agree that we need to update the plan. With that said, times have changed. 10, 16 years has gone by. We need to update the plan. But let's remember why we are here today and how things are working today. We've had the flexibility to adjust to the changing times. Okay. Krista, thanks for the call. And we're going to go next to Brian. Brian? Hi. I wanted to make a comment, if I could, and and get the panel's uh, opinions on it. This is both about quality of life as well as property rights. Mm. Um, I think one of the driving factors of that is is an informed citizenry who who live there, who are stewards of it. And this is true both on the business as well as environmental part of that. And that's the spirit behind an MPO, a Metropolitan Planning Organization. Just recently, the MPO considered having I-69 included in its language. And uh, the informed citizen, citizenry was there, made it very clear the people of Monroe County and Bloomington don't want I-69. And uh, the state essentially extorted Mayor Cruzan, the city and the county, by saying, we are going to do it there. If not, we're going to take all your money. So I'd like the panel to address, if you have an informed citizenry who show obvious concerns both for business environment and culture of an area and the state says that's fine we're not going to listen to you uh where's the democracy there where is the driving factor behind citizens putting out effort and time yeah well for that yeah brian i'm, I'm going to tee this up for mark because he's right, involved with the mpo well i guess um uh, I think Brian was asking where is the where does the informed citizenry come in to this? I think so, yeah. And I and I'd have to say that that's <clears throat> it's that informed citizenry that that I've been talking to in all the time I've been in politics. Um, and we talk about what what type of reaction we have to the plan, what type of input have we had with this plan. Um, I know I've been talking to people about a plan similar to this for for uh, 15, 16, 18 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's everybody from all walks of life throughout the county. And I, and I think I'm lucky enough to be in that position and, and accessible enough that that happens. And um, so combined with what I've found, um, combined with what uh, people have said in questionnaires or, you know, whatever, your, your, you know, people comments at meetings, um, the MPO meeting is a good example um, the the level of, of discourse and rationale uh, in this community is incredible, and and I often feel that the community tends to know more more than the elected officials and and the representatives. Um, so it's just something that we always need to listen. I mean, we need to listen, and and that's the same reaction uh, with the public that has concerns about the comprehensive plan. Um, they have real concerns. They may not understand why the plan goes one way and they'd really like to see it go another, why it's restricting their property rights. Um, and uh, it's all 
part of it's an educational process, and, and very much of it is a listening process. And mm-hmm. I, I agree that we need to take more of that. And, and, and I think on this comprehensive plan, for instance, we've gone out of our way to take public comment. And when it comes to the commissioners over the next month or two, we will, again, go out of our way even farther for more public comment. Jim, any reaction? Well, again, this is a comprehensive plan, and we citizens need to be involved with the plan, which is why we are here today. That's why I'm here today, because, one, I am concerned of the plan. As you said, I'm a critic of the plan. There's good things in it. There's things in it that I think need to be changed. I am expressing my opinion and my voice in hopes that the county commissioners will hear that voice and have more of a conversation about how we can change to make this better for the community in its entirety. The one thing that's unfortunate because the way this plan is written, it it almost puts you on the defensive or the other side of environmental protection. And that's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. But because the way it's written, that's how you, you – when you react to it and respond to it, that's the appearance that some listeners might be hearing. That's not true at all. I, I want nothing more than environmental protection and good stewardship of our land. Absolutely. And I want the best quality of life at all possible. There's many definitions of quality of life as there are citizens in Monroe County. Absolutely. As the caller said earlier, we want the same thing. But what we want is a comprehensive plan that covers and takes into consideration all citizens in Monroe County, not just a few. That's why we're here. All right. Thank you. We've had several comments that have uh, come in via the Internet. I'm going to start uh, with hmm, yeah, can several. I, can I just uh, touch on something that Jim said earlier Absolutely. about the fact that they feel this plan, we should stick with the old plan and not... I didn't say we should change. stick with the old one. Well, we should... <laughs> we begin should with the old one. Begin with the old one. But, uh, and I know, Bob, both of you will remember the, the discussions around the last comprehensive plan. It's going to s- s- kill growth. It's going to kill jobs. And uh, I don't know how many articles you got on that. It's the same with the Bloomington's plan mm-hmm. uh, in, the, in, the, in the plan for Bloomington before that. And really what's happened is we've shown that with these considered with, – with very much considered planning, focused long-term planning, you can generate more jobs and you can generate a higher quality of life. Uh, and I think um, the Herald Times had an interesting article about Monroe County is different. Monroe County is different. And we and we really are the envy um, of other counties in the state with what we've been able to do with less. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, here's some another again one of the comments that came in online begins. I moved to Bloomington in '09 for a job. I had lived in Chicago. My goal was to get away from the sprawl. I love Bloomington the way it is. If I wanted urban, I would have moved to Indy. More growth and sprawl would not really change my feelings about it. The planning department has expressed concern with the complexity of the plan and the ability to implement it and answer questions about what people can do with their property. Can you ensure that we have the resources and capacity to implement the plan? Mark, I guess that's you. We need to make sure that we do. And, and really, that's a problem we have now when our, our comprehensive plan and our ordinances are so convoluted and confusing because we have so many vague areas that are open to um, – um, open to different interpretations. So our planners now can spend a day on a simple zoning question for somebody's mm-hmm. property. Um, and there are real concerns, say, with the formula that's presented in the plan. But really, just to, to, to talk about this formula where you, you can figure out density on your lot if you want to develop your land, um, all the formula really is is a uh, simple 
um, density-based with some other variables involved. And the variables are, is it environmentally suitable? Can you really develop on this land uh, without damaging local land or the water supply, et cetera? Um, another one, is it near a higher density area already? Does it have infrastructure? Um, so these variables just let you multiply or, or increase or reduce this, this standard base number. It's just a – it is more it is more of a complicated than a standard you can divide your land into two-and-a-half-acre lots or five-acre lots. I just want to go very quickly to the fact that this is this comprehensive plan isn't a zoning ordinance. Oh, so, I mean, that, I, I want to make sure the people understand that the difference. So, Mark, why don't you explain the difference? Uh, well, we start out with the comprehensive plan, which is the vision, and it outlines our goals and strategies to get there. Uh, from that point, uh, typically you'd go to subdivision control ordinances and – uh, zoning ordinances, but what uh, I think Monroe County will do is move towards a unified development ordinance similar to what the, the city has. So it's all in one document. Okay. Mm-hmm. The ordinances are the laws and regulations that back up the comprehensive plan. Okay. And so once the plan is approved, then we will go to creating mm-hmm. the ordinances, and that will give us a lot of the definitions about where uh, industrial land is allowed, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Mark uh, touched on the quarter-quarter zoning the density-based zoning, and he said in his comment, reduce the density, which I believe that's what it will do. It will either maintain or reduce the density. The other issue that I have with this or the concern I have is it will be very, very difficult, I believe, to affect and manage this plan within the planning department. The homeowner will not have a clue what they are able to do with this. They're going to have to hire a professional. This is good for the professionals, the engineers and the architects, because the homeowner will not understand how this will go forward. There might be a formula in the zoning ordinance. Maybe that will be maybe that will be revealed, but not sure about that yet. It's not in the plan. Also, there's literally thousands of quarter-quarter sections in Monroe County, thousands. And every one that you try to build something in or propose to build something in, or even a house, you're going to have to look at the area of concern. Mm-hmm. And it gets very, very complicated. And is quarter, that wrong, quarter, quarter, Well, quarter-quarter zoning and is typically f- used for larger uh, partials, such as larger farming communities. Mm-hmm. Farming communities in Bloomington average about 40 acres per farm. Mm-hmm. It's not close to what you would typically see in a quarter-quarter mm-hmm. zoning, density-based zoning situation. Mm-hmm. Our uh, producers want to allow our engaged community to continue to talk about this, so we're <laughs> going to go a little late on the program today. Oh. Let's go to... If you guys are sure. available. Guys are okay. Oh, that's fine. Let's go to Steve on the phone. Um, can, I, can I bring up something about also yeah. the land when we were talking about zoning for business? And I'm yeah. sorry to Steve. I hate to interrupt. We'll get um, to Steve. But what, one of the things I do want to point out is just because we have an urbanizing area doesn't mean that no development can occur in rural areas because... Um, and, and by statute, we also allow planned unit developments. If we get something like a Toyota or Honda plant, for instance, Honda plant I think is like 1,000 acres, um, somebody still has the ability to take that 1,000 acres and propose a planned unit development. Um, unfortunately, Monroe County's terrain doesn't really suit developments like that, except maybe out uh, just past Ellettsville. There's a large area, very flat uh, flat land, very steep or very thick soils. So that's that doesn't preclude some type of, of huge um, 
business like that moving in and setting up shop and creating all the ancillary benefits of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to point that out. Okay. Steve, you have a quick question? Quick comment. First of all, okay. as far as quality of life, I think the number of committed citizen activists, uh, and I would throw Mr. Stoops in the category like this, is one of the reasons that the quality of life is so strong here. Um, I think that's absolutely crucial. But I've got a question that may be very naive, but isn't a day like today where primarily county schools have to cancel while city schools, which are also part of the county, are able to function well, uh, isn't that a sign that maybe we've hit the limits of our practical growth? I know there are often times when I've heard that there may be no more than one or two sheriff's cars patrolling an entire county. And it seems to me we have already hit our growth. If you look at the difference between service in city and in the county, the county, if you live in the county, the services are, are, are minimal at best. And it seems to me we can't afford to uh, sustain growth um, much more until something happens financially. Okay. Mark, quick quick answer? Oh, technically, that's correct. Exactly. And any growth that we get from now on will not bring in additional revenue. It's just going to take away from services, especially with the tax caps that were um, enacted by the state government. Okay. Doug, a quick question? Yeah, uh, just a quick observation okay. of the question. Sure. Uh, 69 is a statewide program. It's just not a Bloomington Highway only. So I... I think we're entering a nimbyism in Bloomington where some, something that benefits the state doesn't benefit us, so we, we reject it. Uh, the other thing is if people could quit referencing Portland and Greenwood. <laughs> Let's just stick with Bloomington because Portland, you can't afford to live there, and Greenwood people actually like living there. And I had a question. If you limit growth and you get more people and you limit height of buildings to only three or four stories, where are these people going to go? Okay, thanks for the quick right, question. Anybody? Quick? Well, you know, if if the plan were um, approved as written, we would benefit from this because we are actually a brownfield redeveloper. We're not quote a developer, although I don't we CFC we be in CFC yeah. correct. Uh, even Cook, our, our manufacturing facilities, for the most part, over ninety percent of them are in structures that were used for another use. Um, Fountain Square Mall, Grand Plaza Hotel, the Kirkwood, which is a new building, was built on a brownfield where a grocery store once sat. Um, where Saban currently is located, which is Cook Polymer Technologies, mm-hmm. is where Slago used to be. So this type of um, proposal, if approved, we would actually benefit from it. But because this is our home and we want to continue and maintain the quality of life that we have and we care about Monroe County, which this this is why we're engaged. Mm-hmm. As a follow-up to that, here's one that came in specifically for you, Jim. Okay. It says it seems uh, that all over this uh, that overall this land use plan uh, discourages development in rural lands, implicitly increasing the value of urban developments. Doesn't this plan increase the value of your current holdings? Where's the beef? That's why I just <laughs> said. That's why I just said it does. But where the beef is, I, I think that. The plan is unbalanced. It needs to have better balance for towards stewardship of the county land as well as personal choice. The personal choice is being removed from this plan. Okay, we're going to go to one final caller. Then Mary Catherine's going to wind up with whatever else we have from our uh, website and your two last comments. Okay. So, John, go ahead. John? Um, I want to comment really with three points. Okay. Uh, Mr. Murphy starts out by saying we ought to keep what is good and throw out what's bad. That's exactly what the plan did. What no, John, let's, let's, let's identify you further. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm John Irvin. Right. Uh, what we really did was to throw out 
um, what was bad and to keep what was good. And what we perceived to be bad was urban sprawl, where you had a right to develop uh, an acre or two and a half acres, uh, no matter what the infrastructure was. I think uh, when Mr. Murphy mentions the quality of life associated with Walmart, what he has ignored. That, that was me. Oh, that was you. Okay. Uh, but it was in reference <laughs> thanks to... For, thanks for that clarification, Bob. <laughs> okay. It, it's still the same kind of problem. Is There's a hidden cost to having a Walmart there, and we've touched on it with the police. We do not have a police force sufficient to even respond to Walmart's uh, shoplifting problems. That's infrastructure. We've got that same kind of problem whether we look at Walmart, whether we look at overcrowded schools or whatever. And the important thing, I think, that Mr. Murphy has not responded to is how do you link development to infrastructure? You cannot disassociate them. And that's got to be done, and that's what this plan does. And we cannot uh, just continue to exploit um, by using development where we don't have the infrastructure to support it. Okay. So that's one point. Did you have a couple others you want to make real quickly? Uh, I think your time's already oh, yeah, it pretty much is, but I'll let you know, Bob, I could go on forever. I so do I know that. I'll right. let Jim respond to that. Well, first, I think, uh, dare I say, scare tactic whenever Greenwood is referenced. And, you know, I have family that lives in Greenwood, and, and they like living there, as the caller earlier said. Never have I said that we want to be a Greenwood. I want to remain Bloomington, Monroe County. And uh, I think that we can do that. I think we can do that by maintaining the quality of life. But as was mentioned earlier, the Bloomington urbanizing area has not had the focus or detail that's been given to that plan as it has the rural area. And without that, I think we are going to suffer unintended consequences and more sprawl, quite, quite frankly, more PUDs. I think we need to plan for that and plan appropriately, and we will all benefit from that. It's not all about jobs. It's about jobs, yes, but it's also about quality of life and personal choice and balance. Okay. Mark, do you want a final word? Well, um, well first of all, I, I, I think this idea that um, uh, we've always had this idea with uh, restricting land use. It's the American way to, to make money off your land and, and be able to subdivide it. Um, CFC can make money off their developments, and really the priority has been given to making, making money uh, in this county and really all across the country. But I don't think that is the American way. I think the American way has always been very conservative, and I don't mean the Republican type of conservative. I mean, you know, having kitchen gardens and, and reusing um, stuff that you own until it wears out, uh, uh, protecting the land and actually working with it. And I think we've lost that. And I think what this plan represents is more of a move back to that more traditional American style where we're actually preserving our resources that can't be uh, regained ever. And when Jim talks about preserving environmental areas, that he, he's not suggesting we, uh, we destroy environmental areas, but you can't have it both ways. You can't have it both ways. Um, you know, you either destroy it, build over it, develop it, or you preserve it. And that goes with whether in the future we turn into a greenwood or not. We can't say we're not going to turn into a greenwood because eventually we will. If, if the proponents or the opponents of this plan had their say, this subdivision of the land in Monroe County would continue until it was all smaller lots. And the and environment would be destroyed quality of life would be destroyed. There's plenty, there are plenty of greenwoods out there that are high-density um, developments with strip malls down their centers and packed traffic on the streets. 
um, there's no reason to turn Monroe County into another one. Okay, I've gotten the uh, go-ahead for about three more minutes. So, Jim? Yes, uh, again, I'm being painted as a developer that wants to rape the land and turn a profit and leave five years later. Uh, let me restate that the Cooks started in their apartment in downtown Bloomington in 1963. We now have 3,300 employees in Monroe County. Our world headquarters is in Monroe County. We care about this county, and we care about the future of this county. That's why we are involved. I have not mentioned radical uh, development or growth. I have mentioned jobs. I also have talked about the concerns I have with the quarter-quarter zoning because I think that is a, a very, very serious concern that we have, uh, both from a practical standpoint and an implementation standpoint. I think we can do better than that. I, I want to continue this dialogue. I hope that the county commissioners will allow the public to continue with this dialogue. I think it's important that it is a comprehensive plan. It's been mentioned more than once that the authors of this plan are three people from the county plan commission. I want to be from the county citizens. And one last note, I would like to invite everybody to join, to take a look at a website, MyMonroeCountyFuture.com. MyMonroeCountyFuture.com is a website that we have built to raise some questions and concerns and show some areas uh, that I think that people should look at so they can make their own decisions about how we should move forward with this plan. Um, I, I do want John Irvin, who called in, is one of the other two people, Richard Martin and John Irvin and, and Mark, are three of the people who are widely considered the authors, although I know John and Richard have said there are lots of people involved in, That's in right. putting this together. Yeah. Um, but when you know John asked, and I'm not sure you totally addressed his question about, you know, he said, you know, he, he talks about his big thing is infrastructure and that we have mm-hmm. to we have to plan developments where we can support the infrastructure. And I want you to respond to that. Well, the, the concern I have, as I stated earlier, when you look at the map of the Bloomington urbanizing area and the Ellisville area, but we specifically looked at the sanitary sewer because, again, you're not going to be able to grow jobs in that area without that. So there's a misunderstanding or misconception that there's a lot of area within the urbanized, urbanized area that we will be allowed to build jobs, and that's just not the case. I don't think that that's the case. I don't think that the infrastructure is in place. So what I am saying, let's show what reality is and this plan for the future. How can we grow within the area in the right way, in the right manner to preserve the environment? You know, we planted thousands of trees in Monroe County. Come on. We planted thousands of trees in Monroe County. But let's do the right thing, and that's what we're here for. Doing the right thing. Okay. Mark, uh, as far as as we go forward, what's the schedule for the commissioners to hear the, the uh, people? We'll be – we're actually working on our schedule next week. And so mm-hmm. we'll come up with uh, public presentations, public comment periods. Uh, there will also be other meetings for the commissioners to deliberate and, and for – uh, the public to comment. And, and, and how, so the, we would expect those would be coming up within the next month or two. And how likely is it that the plan will be accepted as is, or how likely is it there'll be lots of amendments and changes to it? Well, there are three commissioners, so yes. I really, it would be very <laughs> difficult to say. Yeah. I do want to say, though, that, that uh, although John, uh, Richard Martin, and I all work very hard on this, I mean, meeting uh, once and twice a week for, for a year um, before even regular plan commission meetings, a lot of that was just taking in comments that were received over the, the previous three years uh, and working with the plan that was created over the previous three years. So this mm-hmm. plan has really taken five years to complete. And I think it would be false to say that, that Richard Martin and John Irvine and I wrote the plan. Okay. Um, there's definitely influences there. I won't deny that. Um, and uh, I think there are very important considerations for the plan. Mm-hmm. The other thing is that 
um, again, we have to remember that the urbanizing area is uh, will be laid out in the zoning ordinances. And there's in rather than restrict growth, it actually is going to encourage growth in the areas that we have infrastructure. So whether it's sewer. Um, street networks, um, and other services that we already provide, taxpayers have already funded. Jim, we're done. I'm sorry. We're going to have to, okay, that's gonna, fine. We're that's gonna fine. have to get off the air. They've given us a little extra time, okay. but now we have to go. I want to thank uh, Mark Stoops for being here with us today, and Jim Murphy, thanks for being here as well, and for Mary Catherine Carmichael, producer Dan Goldbach, thanks for the extra time. Dan, and engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net.